Hello, everyone. Welcome back to this week's Cedarville Stories podcast. It's great to have you back for another episode, and I'm sure you will enjoy my conversation today with Max Miller, a strength and conditioning coach in the Boston Red Sox organization. I'll share more about today's program in a minute. But now, I want to honor listeners by sending five Cedarville Stories coffee mugs to individuals, one per family, who live the farthest from Cedarville University and who are listening to today's program. All you have to do is email me at mweinstein at cedarville.edu and let me know where you live. Our team will select the individuals who live the farthest from campus and we'll send you a Cedarville Stories podcast mug. It's that simple. Since the inception of the podcast, more than 62,000 people have listened to our programs. That's amazing, and we're thrilled to have you as a regular listener. And as you likely understand, the majority of our listeners, 86%, live in the United States. And to break that percentage down a little for you, 38% live in Ohio, followed by 6% in Michigan, and 4% each in Florida and Pennsylvania. But did you know that 5% of our listeners live in the Philippines, 4% live in the United Kingdom, and 3% live in Canada. The Cedarville Stories podcast has a worldwide audience. So let me encourage you to send me an email and let me know where you live. I will send five Cedarville Stories coffee mugs to the individuals, again, one per family, who live the farthest from campus. Then once you receive your mug, take a picture and send it to me. I look forward to hearing from you. Okay, let's get to my conversation today with Max Miller. Max graduated from Cedarville University in 2021 with a degree in exercise science. During his college years, he was a strength and conditioning intern with Athletes in Action, and for the past two years, he has served as an assistant strength coach for the Florida Complex League's Boston Red Sox minor league team. It's my pleasure to welcome Max Miller to today's Cedarville Stories podcast. Welcome to the Cedarville Stories podcast, Max. It's great to have you on the program. It's good to be here. So as a baseball fan myself, I don't know if you knew that, ever since I read your story that was published on the Cedarville University website, I've been looking forward to talking with you. But before we get there, let's start with a very introductory, how in the world does a guy from Parkersburg, West Virginia, find Cedarville University? And, and t- tell, me your, tell me your enrollment story, how you came here, why you came here. That's a great question. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was a decent high school player and played for a pretty good summer program where around the state and local area, like the summer program was starting to gain some traction. And a lot of our guys were going to a couple of West Virginia universities, uh, particularly Ohio Valley yeah. University yeah. and then Alderson Broadus. So sure. in, in touring those two universities, which were both at the time also in the GMAC, like I, I see the other members of the conference. And I'd heard Cedarville's name before because I went to Tiny Christian like, High School in West Virginia. So several of my former classmates ended up going to Cedarville. Yeah. Um, so saw that name, went up and took a tour, got to talk to Coach Mance, was the coach at the time. So we got to talk with him and it just, it clicked. I remember walking around campus for the first time and thinking to myself, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end up here. Chris Scott, I did and got to play baseball there for a couple of years and pretty good experience. And obviously, you enjoyed playing baseball. And I want to move in that aspect because your baseball career at Cedarville didn't go as planned. Um, I would say back around 2019, you were experiencing some nagging injuries, uh, yeah. pulled muscles, a knee injury that wasn't healing. What was going on at this point in your college career that was really causing baseball to be a, a struggle for you? 
Yeah, no, I, I was having just all sorts of health issues, right? Like several, several things popping up at the same time. Uh, the the kicker at the end of the story there is I did end up getting diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Um, and if you know anything about fibromyalgia, the way it demonstrates itself is a lot of muscular pains, um, specifically demonstrated in trigger points. So yeah. almost similar to a, a muscle knot, just uh, ex- extremely tender and painful. So when you're a college athlete uh, and, and you're in a very physically performing sort of place in your life, and, and first of all, just being a young, healthy dude. Um, so I thought to the time when yeah. those things start to pop up and I'm active and I'm moving all the time and I'm, I'm training hard, uh, you know, with, with both my sport skill activity and then training hard physically in, in the weight room or with conditioning or whatever that piece is, uh, those, when those fibromyalgia trigger points start to pop up, they almost demonstrate very similar to muscle pulls. And so that's where the mind instantly goes. That's okay. where the mind of the trainers went to. So all, all these things, like I'm having issues and uh, like, like a muscle pull sort of symptomology. Um, and as we work on it, it's not really getting better. So, and that kind of started the whole downward spiral into some, uh, pretty nasty health issues. But at the time being a college athlete, you know, we're, we're all thinking along the lines of, oh, this is, this is a muscle pull. So why isn't it healing? As you were going through tests, you also got tested for autoimmune disease. You got tested for ALS. You got tested for uh, muscular dystrophy. Those are frightening uh, test that you have to go through and not, not that, not that they're painful, but be, so through those tests that could cause fear to creep into your heart and mind. Did that happen? Did that happen to you or how did the Lord bring you through that? Yeah. So I, I mean, really stepping into it, that was a year and a half long process. Essentially. I started having uh, muscular issues in my sophomore year coming right into January, right before our season, I started having all these muscular injuries. Um, and man, they just lingered and lingered and kind of played through that season, came out of that, that season, taking a break, like just taking off physically, trying to have a period of time where I could just recover. Right. Um, so go through that period. I'm feeling great. Start to ramp it back up, get back into it. And instantly those muscle issues that I had before they come right back and then they get worse particularly going through that, that season, that first sort of spring, uh, dealing with these issues. My, my big issue was my right quad. I kept having muscle pulls. So I thought, um, right. in my right quad. So that comes back up. Now I'm looking at, okay, like this, this is giving me an issue. Something's going on. I got to like see a professional. So I'm trying to get into physical therapy, like see, see another professional, get another opinion. What, what can I do to start getting better? Uh, and before I could actually get into the physical therapist office, I'd actually, had an issue then with my opposite left hamstring. So now I got right quad left hamstring, uh, waddling around like a, like a duck a little bit. Um, so did, did all summer of doing physical therapy, um, and just trying to figure out what was going on with my body instead of being able to like push and increase like my skill, my condition, my athletic performance for baseball. I'm just trying to get healthy all summer. Um, and felt like I took a step forward, took a step back for the, the entire length of the summer. Um, come in then to my junior year, trying to compete uh, and play for a, a spot and, and be a contributing factor to to the team. Um, and within the first week of practice, a fall ball, I'd sprained an ankle and then had some mysterious injury to my knee. I uh, was walking up the steps to my house, kind of had an awkward step and I heard something pop in my knee. Um, and it was pretty unsteady, but I had an early morning the next day, an early morning lift. So I get up, 
get over and, and you know, I'm so groggy. It's, it's early in the morning. I'm not even awake. Right. So <laughs> I, I waddle over to, uh, to Callen and pop on a, a, an exercise bike to get myself loose, which was my typical routine before yeah. a lift. Um, and as my left, left leg where I'd heard that knee pop the night before, as that thing's going around the bike, I'm hearing a click every single time. It's progressively getting a little bit more painful, um, pop off that bike and man, I'm sure going to move around. So I went and saw the trainer, they do their, their tests and said it looked like a torn meniscus. Um, so by that point now I'm with a pulled right quad, a pulled left hamstring and a torn left meniscus and a sprained right ankle at this point. I'm kind of like taking a step back now, right now. It's, we got to figure out what's going on with the body. Um, and that launched a really long process of trying to figure out, uh, for, for really the next year, what, what really is going on with my body. Cause the next doctor I saw was an orthopedic looking at that meniscus, um, uh, in his manual test kind of had the same thought, probably a meniscus went in for the MRI. Of course, this was a matter of three ish weeks later, by the time I got the MRI, uh, nothing showed on that MRI, but I'm, I'm still having issues, right? Like I'm still having clicking. Um, I'm having issues where I, I, you know, I'm, I'm struggling to bear weight on that leg. And of course there's also the more global issues. I'm having all these muscular like issues and I, I'm not recovering and getting better despite doing all the, the physical therapy, working with the trainers, all kinds of stuff. So what, what is really going on? So from that point, saw more general doctors to figure out, okay, what is going on at a global scale? Um, I had three rounds of blood work. I had three rounds of imaging, saw five different doctors, uh, was tested for, yeah, all, all the autoimmune diseases at, at one point or another, including, uh, lupus, uh, arthritis, uh, celiac disease, um, se several of those. I started seeing a new doctor in the, the following January who thought the next step would be, Hey, let's, let's start looking for muscular nerves disease, which yes, would be ALS and muscular dystrophy. So I had an EMG for that in April of 2020. Uh, nothing came out of that. Praise to God, pra praise God that uh, nothing there. And, and then spent that uh, following summer with the target in mind, bringing it up to the doctor. Hey, um, is fibromyalgia something that's possibly on the table? Um, and he kind of seemed to think like, okay, yeah, that, that's, that's a, a very real possibility. So um, let's give it that that summer of, of 20 what was what was that 2020 yeah give, give it that summer of, of 2020 um and like let's investigate let's see so ended up going through that summer right before i came back from my senior year of college at cedarville got diagnosed with fibromyalgia so yeah so a long process that was kind of a long-winded answer there but there's fear throughout that entire thing there was fear of like baseball was wrapped up in my identity right so right. who am i and what am i if i'm not able to play baseball and then things get worse. Hey, what if I'm stuck with these like health issues for the yeah. rest of my life? What if I right. never get better? And then you start bringing ALS and muscular dystrophy on the table, Ooh. right? It's um, what if I'm dying, right? Like that became right. like a very real possibility as a, a junior in college, being a 20 year old uh, kid and having those thoughts, right? So, so the very real uh, moments uh, of life uh, fairly early. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't have any other way to, say it then yeah there's absolutely fear yeah um, so obviously being diagnosed with fibromyalgia is much a much better diagnosis than being diagnosed with als or muscular dystrophy i would oh absolutely no doubt about it so you're you're diagnosed uh that took baseball away from you 
drove you more toward the exercise science field of academics, probably a little more seriously than maybe what you were initially going in that direction. But from your perspective today, okay, so we know what you're doing and we'll get into that story a little bit in in the program. But so from your perspective today, looking back and now working with the Red Sox minor league players in strength and conditioning, do you see that your experience that you experienced here at Cedarville was truly a blessing in disguise? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I think so. My favorite verse, my life verse is Philippians 112, uh, which says, brothers, I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to further the gospel. And just coming out of that, I, I, I mean, there's a million ways that I grew out of that experience. Um, number one, just like in some maturity. And we, we could spend all day, day there. But coming into college, exercise science for me was something where, hey, look, I'm, I'm just trying to stay involved in baseball like all my life, right? And then having this experience with my health and having baseball kind of taken from me, exercise science, as I, I studied that, it became more like it came very real to me, right? Because now the stuff that I'm studying, I'm, I'm having to use to just manage my own condition. Right. Um, so it, it became very real. And then seeing that with myself, it's like, hey, like, no, this is something real that then you can use to help other people. Um, and then there's the aspect of, of just a level of gratitude and peace coming through life, like seeing <laughs> seeing a time in your life where death is on the table um, and, and going through that and to to not have that anymore and have times where I was struggling just to move to where now I'm, I'm in pretty good shape and, and moving well. Uh, like there, there's a level of just gratitude and peace around that. And then having, you know, baseball, which was a love for me, having that taken from me and now to be back involved with baseball and getting to work with professional athletes um, in baseball, like there, there's a level of gratitude, so, you know, like life, right? You, you can have your dream, right? Life isn't always simple and easy, right? There, there's still hard days, but when, when more difficult circumstances come up, there's a level of gratitude now because, you know what, man, I've been in some much worse situations. So a lot of, a lot of gratitude towards yeah. uh, the things I have. So baseball was really your identity for a long time. But during, during those dark days, Max, how did you see the Lord work in your life to mm-hmm. maybe help you take away or remove that fear? That I mean, it's very, very scary when you're 20 years old and you're, looking, you're thinking you're going to die. How did, how did yep. the Lord help you in that situation? Well, I, I think at first there, there was like a, a kind of smacking me around a little yeah. bit. I, I was, I, I won't lie. I was angry with God. I was, sure. uh, I was upset with him to the point where didn't want to like talk to him. Um, was pushing, pushing my faith off. And I look back and think so much of my life, how, how personal was my relationship with God Yeah, growing up, like just in West Virginia, um, in more of that uh, rural blue collar sort of area, faith was like uh, something that you did to be a productive member of society. Okay. And I look back in my life, you know, I'm, I'm confident of, you know, my moment of salvation when I, when I was just a kid, but like how, how much did I pursue my relationship with Christ? And then even going to Cedarville, going through all the Bible classes, sitting in chapel every day, but how much was I actually pursuing my personal relationship with God yeah. as opposed to just having a relationship with God, because, you know, that, that's what you do if you want to be a productive member of society. And that, as I started to go through some of these health issues and these challenges, it really starts to challenge that frame of mind. Why am I jumping through all these hoops when it, it appears in, in the middle of that circumstance that God is just a cosmic bully who's 
who's picking on you and, and, and giving you all these, these issues. But as you begin to like go through that, you begin to see like, like his grace. And I had some great teachers and some, some great mentors who helped me kind of like see globally the work, work of God in, in, in the church. Right. So God sends his son to die on the cross and in doing so he defeats the ultimate enemy in sin and death. Right. So if nothing else good, ha- if he does nothing else, if God did that and then removes himself from the equation, uh, we would say he's all good because he defeats the ultimate enemy. And I just looking at that and trying to eva- evaluate that, like that became something for me. Like I have to like fully grasp. And I have to fully lean on, on that understanding right there. Even when I didn't feel like God was all good, like I believe that to be true. I believe that God defeated the ultimate enemy and sent death and my eternity is secure in Jesus Christ. Right. So, so holding on to that, like steadfastly um, and going from that point, life still didn't like clean up. Obviously, like I, I came to that moment was really holding on to that. And then that's when the ALS and muscular dystrophy stuff starts coming up for me. Okay. And so then, you know, there's a moment of like more, more intense fear, like, Hey, like death is now on the table. And there came a point for me in my life where I sat back and, and, and sort of thought like, all I, I've been trying to bargain with God even throughout this process of being sick. Like, well, eventually they'll find out what's going on and I can get back to baseball or I can get back to having a good career. Or I can get back to doing whatever it is in life that I have for my own sort of goals. And then ALS and muscular dystrophy come up. And now like the very real possibility of not having a life beyond however many years, like four or five, 10 years, whatever that is, that becomes a very real possibility for me. Right. So the thought process changed and came to a place by grace of God, where I said, like, God, you promise that all things work together for good, right? You promise that you have a plan that, that you're making something good out of my life, right? I've been trying to do it and, and create that good on my own for several years and, and yeah. have nothing to show for it, but failure and, and physical pain. So I'm, I'm done trying, so, so to speak. Uh, I trust that, that your plan is something good. And even though like I, I might be physically miserable right now, um, I'm asking you to get whatever good it is out of my mm-hmm. life that you desire. Um, and I, I'm stepping back out of the way. I give up trying yeah. to get my own means out of it. I'm just giving it to you. And he's never, he's never let me down. He keeps showing up and, and using me in ways that I don't expect in ways that I don't think I deserve. But I, I think, God has been good enough to, to reward uh, a small amount of faith where I've essentially just said, like, I believe help my own belief. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he's used me in, in more ways than I certainly deserve. Well, we, we know that our ways are not his, his ways. His ways are, are better, greater, and more purposeful. So I love hearing your story, even though I know you had a lot of pain associated with it. How is it for you that you're able to continue on your faith journey in probably a really tough profession where the schedule is different, you're traveling a lot. Are you able to plug into a church? Are you able to build relationships with other believers? And how are you able to do that in your job? Yeah. So I think what helps me a lot is my start into strength and conditioning too. I went from right from Cedarville, did an internship in Xenia, Ohio at right. Athletes in Action, right, uh, which obviously a global ministry. And they were building out a sports performance uh, institute out of that. So got involved and my mentor, I had two actually great mentors there. Sky Simmons, who is a speed expert, like niche, niche speed expert. He's a great guy and a a really strong believer too. 
And then my other mentor there was a guy named Jeff Friday. Um, Jeff was a strength coach in the NFL for over 21 years, won a Super Bowl as a head strength coach with the Ravens in 2000, right? So just unbelievable resources, both Christian dudes who have been in the industry for a long time. So then getting to see from them and have that base also in the setting of Athletes in Action, which is a global ministry. So like that that was a, a great place to grow for me and see what does it look like to, to be a Christian in the professional world, but even more understand the relationship of the coach and the athlete. That that right there is something special because as a, as a coach, you, you get to see a lot of an athlete and, and life happens in the weight room. Like you just think about a repetition, right? You see uh, struggles, success, failure, just in in the concept, in just in sure. the course of one set, you see all that. Um, so you you get to know a lot about people when you when you train them a lot. So I, like that relationship right there, like that's that's like the sacred thing. That that's where the source of ministry is, just being able to do life and have that coach athlete relationship, and especially within the context of strength and conditioning. Above that too. Athletes don't always want to go to their coaches with all their problems and what's going on in their life because the coach controls playing time. But when you look at the strength and conditioning professional, that's somebody who doesn't control playing time, has a broad, broad base of knowledge about performance, which is what everyone's kind of looking for. And that's a lot of times the professional will go to to just talk about what's going on generally in their life and how it is or isn't affecting their performance and what they could do better to handle that and perform at a higher level. So you get a lot of access to athletes' life. So still getting to have that. Uh, and also been very blessed and very fortunate to have great mentors from before, Jeff Sky and several others from my life who stay invested in me, even though I'm not with them physically, like constantly checking in on me and pushing me to make sure that's that nice. I'm strengthening my, you know, my relationship with Christ because you know that's the source. So, you, I mean, you got to yeah. stay plugged into the line. You got to have great people like checking in on you. Um, and I was also blessed and fortunate to find a good church down here in Florida too. So I got Fabulous. lucky there. Oh, that's great. I, I get so excited to hear your story. So I'm interested as we transition to baseball. So here's a two-part question. How, how were you able to secure the position with the Red Sox minor league organization? Yeah. And, and then two, what's a typical day for you as the assistant strength and conditioning coach? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So securing the position, right? It, it was... Uh, <laughs> It, it wasn't really anything special in the specifics of the interview and getting this specific position, yeah. but there was a lot of stuff building up to it. Getting an exercise science degree from a notable institution like Cedarville, great. That's step one. Getting a uh, certified strength and conditioning specialist certification through the National Strength and Conditioning uh, Association, that's step two. That's really big. And then having to do two and a half years of just grinding it out in the industry, trying to build up a resume that's worthy of having a job like that. Once you get it, you just apply and boom, you're, you're in there. But okay. then, you know, there, were, there was a lot of long days and work leading up to that. Had some awesome experiences working with college and professional athletes in the private sector through Athletes in Action. That's great. But then got my, my chance to uh, take on a leadership role in the high school setting. That was big for my future. Then getting to see a lot of niche speed uh, stuff, speed performance, that was really big. Doing combine-based training to help athletes with 40-yard dash, L-drill, three-cone, everything you see in the NFL combine for like a pro-day style uh, setting. That was big for my, my career moving forward, especially as you look at baseball now, where the pitch clock 
and yeah. only two pickoffs has been introduced because now speed is such a huge tool for everybody. We all are, are worried about speed. How can we increase an athlete's speed? So that having a background of understanding some speed mechanics and doing some like sports performance training for combine-based strength, that was really helpful. Um, you add those things to a resume, and then it was as simply as keeping your ear to ground. You see a position open, and then you apply. And so now I'm here. Were the Red Sox your dream organization or – you know, being from where you're from in West Virginia, I think maybe you're a pirate fan. Yeah. So most of the people growing up where, where I was were pirates fans. Uh, I grew up a Braves fan. If I had to like pick the, I, I grew up a big Braves fan. My dad was a big Braves fan, uh, a, a product of the 90s, I guess. So yeah. um, I grew up a Braves fan um, as well. I, I will admit, I like, just put it out there. Um, I'm a fan of whoever pays the bills. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's go, go socks. Um, That's right. Yeah, but no, I, I also remember growing up. One, one of my most formative baseball memories was the 2013 World Series with the Boston Red Sox when they beat uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. And I remember that year in particular because the Red Sox, on paper, probably not like the team that they ended up having. Right? Like no one would have probably penciled them in or bet them to to win the World Series on paper. Um, in 2013, you also have uh, Patriot Day and the, the Boston Marathon right. bombing. Right. And that team came together in such a special way and went on a tear, had a great season, and had just an absolutely magical postseason, especially Big Poppy David Ortiz, just yep. the way he yep. tore the cover off the baseball and, and led absolutely. them to a World Series championship. So that was a formative uh, memory yeah. <laughs> for, my, for my baseball uh, fandom and love for, yep. for baseball. So getting to work for the that organization and an organization that has a, a history of, of championships. In fact, we have it written on the walls in several places. Like we play for championships, like how special that is. And you can feel it in the environment. That's yep. really cool. That, that would be, I have to admit though, we were on opposite sides because um, I, I would be a noted Cardinal fan. So 2013 Oof. was not a, it was not a good finish for the Cardinal season. Yeah. But Sorry uh, for pressing on some sore spots there. huh? It's okay. That's okay. I'm used to it. You know, we talked offline before uh, today's recording, uh, and you made a comment that um, about winning at the minor league level. So most fans, mm -hmm. most fans may think winning is the paramount to minor league baseball, major league baseball. It is at major league baseball, but I don't believe at the minor league level. Is that the case that it's really the focus of the players and the coaches just to move the play to get the players to be? stronger, better, so they can advance to single A, double A, triple A, and then ultimately the majors? Is that the goal? Yeah, essentially. Like we call it, the way we phrase it is feed the monster. So think about the Red Sox and, of course, right. we have the green, green monster, monster, right? Yeah. But also the monster is the big league club. You know, we're trying to feed the big league club. So pushing players up the system, you, you can win however many games at the FCL level, but how much does that really pay the bills, right? It pays to win at the major league team. So right. everything that you're doing within the course of minor league baseball is, yeah, it's trying to push players towards the success of the major league club. So do you see players that you're working with right now, some just got drafted, mm -hmm. and uh, do you see players at this level, do you see them making it to the major league? Do you see uh, some really special talent down there? Uh, we'll break down what you mean, like like guys that I think have a shot to make it to the major leagues or guys right. that are going right up to yeah, absolutely. And then, like, here, here's the other thing: when you build that relationship with guys, you think everyone has a shot to to right. make it at, at right. some level, right? And you're hoping for everybody. And you, you know, you know, not everyone is, and, and you know, you have you know some people maybe penciled in that like this guy, like man, he's got a real shot versus this guy, ah, he's got shot. But everybody, you're kind of hoping for, and 
investing in that that athlete like they're going to be the next big thing right. um, in the show. Like every single athlete trying to invest in like that. So how do you prepare players to achieve their goals so that they can advance and ultimately make it to Boston or if they get traded to another major league team? Yeah. Well, now you're talking about strength and conditioning in the professional setting. So within professional setting, when you get an athlete, generally you're talking about somebody who's already got some level of a gift and is a pretty talented athlete. So a lot of what you're doing is trying to not mess them up or take away something that they do really well. You're trying to accentuate the things that they do well and maybe work on some of their weaknesses and also do global evaluation to see, hey, where's a position where there potentially could pop up an injury or a weakness, something like something could go on based off this um, from an evaluation and trying to mitigate the risk. I I hate the word injury prevention because you can't ever prevent an injury like you're not god you can't see all the variables you can't control all that but what we can do is we can do basic evaluations see places where injuries or just something that's going to keep an athlete and hidden athlete is going to pop up and then do your best to mitigate the risk of that so those are the big things um and then you know there's some general things that you know obviously we want to increase like like i mentioned speed before speed is a big proponent in the game so if we can get you faster great that's going to play uh, if we can increase your defensive range, that's going to play. So I mean, those are like those are yeah. the the things with it. Uh, it's not it's not high school. It's just hey, can we throw a lot of weight on bar and get you stronger? Um, there's a, a little bit more involved at, at this level. Yeah, you, you got a guy who's probably already a stud when they come to you, right? So got to be a little bit more careful and and not try to neutralize something that they do well. Yeah, that's a good point. So obviously, uh, in our conversation, I'm looking at you through Zoom. I can tell you really like what you do uh, mm-hmm. uh, in the work. Is it your goal ultimately someday to work at the major league level or, or maybe another sport? Uh, yeah. So major league level. Yeah. Well, that's the goal. Uh, do, do, do this, do this for a major league team. The, the ultimate thing I will say is wherever God has me at this point, like we said, going through some of my health stuff, I've been, I've been in some pretty dark places and, uh, he hasn't uh, let me down yet. So wherever he's got me, he's got me. And I'm going to have confidence that that's where I'm supposed to be. And being where I'm supposed to be is better for me than being where I want to be. But yes, that that being said, I got a foot in the door, right? So the goal is to keep following this this path, see how, see how far I can go. And maybe if I can't do it, it's at the major league level. Is there a typical timeline that people in your profession that it takes to move from your level up the chain up to the major leagues? I think it's dependent on who you know and when job what jobs are open when. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if there's a typical timeline, at least not one that I'm super knowledgeable yeah. on. Bottom line is just about doing your job well with excellence and letting the results uh, stand for themselves and see what the Lord opens up. Yeah, ultimately, that's the I think the big thing is just seeing where where God has me and yeah. let, letting Him open the doors. So I mean that could be a a career like down here in, yeah. in the rookie ball level, right? That could yeah. be in the college setting. That could be wh- whatever it is. Um, yeah, I, I would love to do this at the major league level. And I'll treat, I mean, this is my first time doing this. I'm, I, I am, I'm an assistant. I'm on a seasonal contract, right? Like I could yeah. get to the end of the season and have my bosses tell me, Hey man, you really weren't that good at this. I don't think you're meant for it. You probably need to go check something else out. That could totally happen. Right. Uh, we'll, I mean, we'll just see, uh, I'm just here. I'm going to show up. I'm going to keep doing my best. Kind of like you said, just keep showing up, do the job, do the job the best of my ability. And that's really all I can control. I have where I'd like to end up. I'm not going to worry about it too much, right? Just keep doing my best and let God take care of us. You want to end up in Atlanta, I know. Um, 
I, I, man, I, I'm going to say it again. I, you know, I, this has this has to be said. I will end up with whoever pays the bills, and right now it's the Boston Red Sox. So you know what? Go Sox! We play for championships. There you go. Keep that man, mantra going. So I have one question to ask you, and uh, this is uh, going to tap into your time with the Red Sox. Uh, can you share with us a story or two of how you've worked with a player that's really helped him professionally? Does something come to mind uh, that, you know, where you had a hand in helping a guy through an injury or whatever, and he, it's, it's helped him professionally? Yeah, I fully, I don't, I don't think that I can. And in and, and, and all truth, because so much of it is who the athlete is already. I, I, going back to just old baseball guys, right? Bobby Cox, legendary Braves manager, right? What, yeah. what did he say about his like coaching philosophy air quotes or just about winning baseball games, job of a manager. So my job is to put you in a, a position to succeed. And I kind of like my mind, I break that down. I heard another, another coach say this too. It's like remove obstacles from the pathway to success. That That's all that we're doing. The athletes are the athletes that everything that's special about this equation is already in them. I mean, yeah. firstly, like even when you break the strength and conditioning mind here, even when you break it down from a physiological perspective, like all the qualities and stuff are like they're they're in there somewhere, right? So all we're doing is just removing obstacles to allow them to demonstrate their skills and abilities. Yeah. So um, I've, I've been blessed to be able to work with a bunch of different athletes. Some have had great success stories, and somewhere it hasn't worked out. But in, in in the case of all those, I mean, it's already in them, right? There's nothing special that I'm doing. In fact, it, it's very it's very basic stuff. It's yeah. just it's just weight training, right? Any anyone who who has like my background with with the the education and then you know studying and then being in this field, anyone who who puts themselves and is willing to learn and gain the skills necessary to do this can do exactly what I do. Like, there's nothing special about me. It's what's special is the athletes. That's yeah. where the magic happens on the field. And you're just removing obstacles to let them show their skills and abilities. I've enjoyed uh, just talking baseball with you and, and, and Jesus. And I'm looking forward to following your career, wherever that leads. I yeah. hope, hope to stay in touch with you. And, uh, well, listen, I, I got to leave you with one thing. Cause I, I think about this all the time. Yeah. Um, just it's, it's easy for, for me to look back at my own life and see, Oh, God's great because I got a story, right. Because I had yeah. health issues and then now I'm, Got gotten a pretty cool job, right? Or had health issues, and now I'm able to bench press a certain right. amount, right? It's right. E- it's easy to go, hey, you know, look how big and how great God is, right? Because of the way He's worked in my life. Um, and recently, something I've been really thinking about and studying on is John one, when Jesus is calling the disciples, uh, and He calls Nathaniel, and Nathaniel comes to Jesus after uh, being called, I, I believe it was by Philip, right? And uh, he says, uh, Jesus says to, to Nathaniel, like, ah, you know, here's an Israelite in whom there's truly no deceit. And Nathaniel says, well, how'd you know me? And, and Jesus says, before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree, which Bible doesn't go into like deep context about what all that meant to, to Nathaniel. But Nathaniel has this moment where it's like, oh, truly you are like the Messiah, right? Like he falls on his face, just worshiping Jesus. And Jesus says to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, you know, you proclaim this about me. Like, truly, I tell you, you will see greater things than these. You will see the heavens open up and the angels of God descending and descending on the Son of Man. So, like, the biggest thing is the personal work of Jesus Christ. Right. And if there's one thing that comes through my story, that's what I want to be. It's not 
having an awesome job or sure or coming like it, it's the person and, and work of jesus christ wow yeah that's that's great uh you know um wisdom on a, on a very young from a very young person and i i commend you for that uh thank you for really um sharing your heart today on the cedarville stories podcast it was great to have you i want to thank you for listening to the cedarville stories podcast brought to you by cedarville university you are encouraged to share like and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider and be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another Cedarville story for God's glory.